Maternal suicide during pregnancy, or the first postpartum year, is a leading cause of death in Canada. Current data suggests it's the fourth leading cause of death in the perinatal period. But the area has been understudied, and little is known about the true extent of the problem. It is thought that rates may be underestimated, and greater knowledge about the characteristics and patterns of health services of mothers who die by suicide is critical to inform suicide prevention strategies. I'm Dr. Meniza Walji, Associate Editor for CMAJ, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Sophie Grigoriadis, Psychiatrist and Associate Professor and Head of the Women's Mood and Anxiety Clinic, Reproductive Transitions, at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Toronto. Dr. Grigoriadis and her co-authors published a study in CMAJ that examined perinatal suicide in Ontario over a period of 15 years. She's joining me now from Toronto to discuss this research. Hi, Dr. Grigoriadis. Hi there, Maniza. How are you? Good, thank you. This was a really interesting article that you published recently in CMAJ. Just to start at the beginning, do you think we fully understand the extent of the problem of perinatal suicide in Canada? Well, Maniza, thank you very much for um, having this interview with me today. It's a pleasure for me to talk to you and to have uh, been part of the CMAJ family in publishing this paper. Um, I want to first start off by saying absolutely not. We do not have enough information on both the rates of perinatal suicide and also characteristics associated with it, which is why we embarked on this study. And what exactly did you study and how does it fit into the research landscape of what we already know about this topic? So my team and I got together to understand this area a little bit more, not only in terms of characteristics in Canada, but also how they um, relate to the rest of the world. We know that maternal suicide is a leading cause of uh, maternal death, but we didn't quite understand the, the extent of it in Canada. And we first went to the coroner's office and we looked at all the um, suicide deaths and then we categorized whether or not the women were perinatal. And then we also linked this data with administrative data in order for us to be able to get a more accurate uh, suicide rate. One of the criticisms of uh, the existing data is that the suicide rate may not be accurate because death certificates were used. And unfortunately, death certificates are not always uh, filled out completely. That's one of the issues. The other issue is that perinatal suicides may be missed because the extent of uh, issues in terms of mood and anxiety and, and psychiatric issues in general can occur up until the first postpartum year, so not just the first 30 days. So it's very important to capture the entire postpartum year. So as a result, uh, that's what we tried to do by linking with administrative data in order to make uh, our data more accurate and improve upon the methodology. So that's a very interesting methodology. But I'm just wondering, in terms of the results, what did you actually find and how generalizable do you think these findings are and how reliable are they? Well, what we did is, is link the data, like I said. And although we found that uh, perinatal suicides are a relatively small proportion of suicide deaths, they are a high proportion of maternal deaths. Um, we found that in terms of uh, maternal deaths, 1 in 19 of them were related to suicide. That's a very high number. And we think that the results are reliable because we were able to link our coroner data with administrative data. Um, and as a result, we think that the rate is 
more reliable than what was previously noted. The number of deaths per 100,000 live births was about two and a half, and that number is consistent with the literature on the perinatal suicide rate uh, across the world. Yeah, so that was getting to actually my next question. How do our rates compare to other rates that have been documented across the globe? Yeah, they're comparable. Um, Our rate of 2.58 per 100,000 live births lies between the UK data and the American data of two to three per 100,000 live births. That's quite surprising to me, at least as a clinician. You seem to look at uh, many different clinical and sociodemographic features Mm -hmm. in the population that you study. First, what did you learn about when the suicides occurred? And was this a surprising finding to you? Well, you know what? I and my team actually think that these are very important data. And yes, we were surprised. We found that on average, women uh, died by suicide in the fifth month of pregnancy. And on average, around the seventh month of the postpartum time, which is uh, very surprising because many of us in the uh, clinical area refer to women postpartum up until the first six weeks. But in psychiatry, we know that perinatal issues occur up until the first postpartum year. So when we see women in our clinic, we we see them up until the first postpartum year. Um, so the finding that at seven month is seven months postpartum is the highest rate is surprising on the one hand um, because it's so late, but it's not surprising on the other hand because again we do see women up until the first postpartum year. This finding is also significant because in our diagnostic and statistical manual, perinatal is defined up until the first uh, 30 days postpartum. And here we see that suicide occurs much later. It's a really interesting finding because we often think of uh, the perinatal period or the postpartum period often as women being surrounded by family with a new Uh, newborn in the family, you often think and you have this conception that a woman would be well surrounded and well supported. And so it's very interesting when the reality that your data shows doesn't quite paint that picture. Well, what what we see clinically is that uh, a woman who is well supported will have supports around for the first little while after she has a baby. But after, you know, a few weeks, those supports typically tend to disappear or go back to the regular life and the woman is, is, can be alone with the baby. And clearly, we see that they can continue to have issues up in, late into the postpartum. So it's very important that the support uh, continue beyond the first few weeks. Absolutely. What were the most likely methods of suicide and how did they compare to suicides that occurred in the non-perinatal period? There were differences in suicide means. Um, The perinatal women were more likely to die by suicide using violent means, such as um, hanging or jumping or falling, where the non-perinatal women more often died by suicide with substances or hanging. And the fact that our perinatal women used more violent means makes us concerned that they may often be ones that complete suicide. I mean, that does point out to very salient or important differences between women who are undergoing this situation and the general population. I do wonder, Mm -hmm. just because suicide rates differ geographically as well, 
Did you notice mm-hmm. any differences in the regions uh, that you examined and did they differ similarly to the general population? Well, we did look at uh, areas in Ontario and there was a distribution in rate by region with the, house, the highest rates for our perinatal women occurring in the northwest part of Ontario, but that was similar to that of the non-perinatal suicides. The important point here is that these areas are rural and that suicides occurred more often in these areas. So although there was a differential distribution by region, what we found, however, in terms of community size, was that the majority of suicides occurred in either large urban centers or small population centers. So you bring up a very interesting point, that idea of being in a more rural community and by proxy than perhaps having less contact with health professionals. And I'm just wondering whether or not these women had any contact with health professionals in the year before they committed suicide and what kind of psychiatric illness they may have had. So in terms of health service use before death by suicide, we found that a very large portion did have some kind of mental health contact in the year prior to suicide, but in terms of a month before, less than 50%. We also found that compared to the women who were non-perinatal, the women who were pregnant in postpartum uh, prior to death were less likely to have seen a psychiatrist but more likely to have seen a primary care provider for a mental health reason within the year prior to death. But within 30 days prior, primary care visits for mental health reasons were similar between the two groups. Um, interestingly, the women who died by suicide perinatally were more likely to have mental health contact than the women who didn't die by suicide. And the most common mental health reasons we found were those related to mood and anxiety as opposed to a psychotic disorder which is very important to acknowledge, we think, because professionals are very concerned about psychotic disorder and treat that as a psychiatric emergency. But it's also very important to acknowledge that mood and anxiety disorders perinatally are very important, and they are the leading cause of uh, suicide, according to our data. And that's also consistent uh, with international. With respect to non-mental health contact, only about 30% of the perinatal suicide uh, group had contact with the primary care provider in the 30 days prior to death. And that was a rate um, similar to the control group. About 40% of women who were pregnant had contact with an obstetrician in the 30 days prior to suicide, which was lower than their matched perinatal controls, uh, but really not statistically different. And in terms of suicide in the postpartum, about uh, 60% had a visit with a pediatrician for their child, and this was statistically lower than the matched perinatal controls. Did you find anything else that was surprising in your results? Um, Interesting, I would say yes, but not necessarily surprising. The perinatal suicide group were younger than the non-perinatal group um, and were about age 28. And more than half of them were married or living with a partner, which was higher than the non-perinatal group. We also found that the perinatal group was medically healthy. And this was similar to women who who died by suicide that were not in the perinatal period, but still um, different from the perinatal controls. So given the importance of this topic and the not small prevalence of this issue, 
What can physicians do to help prevent maternal suicide? I think it's very important to identify women who are perinatal, who may be struggling with mood or anxiety issues, as well as any psychiatric issue. It's very important to identify them and also to refer them on for uh, support. We think that there's substantial room to be able to improve this um, so that we can engage these women into mental health services for prevention. In terms of uh, psychiatric issues, we have to focus well into the postpartum year and not uh, stop after 30 days. So you highlight what we can do perhaps as physicians if we do have a patient and we are concerned about this. Mm -hmm. What about if there's anyone listening who thinks that they're struggling with perinatal depression or they know a loved one who is? What should they do? That's a very important question. I think the first thing, it's important to understand that they are not alone. This is a common uh, problem and they there are good services uh, for help. If they are suffering from any psychiatric issue around the perinatal period, it's very important for them to seek help immediately because we do have good treatments. Great. I think that's important for all of our listeners. So if you could summarize everything into one just one key message to leave listeners with, what would it be? It's important not to underestimate the consequences of symptoms around the perinatal period. I think that's very true. And one thing that I think is important for us as clinicians is just to remember that prevalence is not uncommon and to be on the lookout for people who may be at risk. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak to me today about this very important topic. Thank you very much for inviting me. I think this is a very important topic and we need to continue talking about this and increase our awareness so that women do not suffer in silence. I've been speaking with Dr. Sophie Grigoriadis, psychiatrist and associate professor and head of the Women's Mood and Anxiety Clinic Reproductive Transitions at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center in Toronto. To read the research article she co-authored, visit cmaj.ca. If you've been listening to our CMAJ podcast, let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating on iTunes or give your feedback on SoundCloud or any other social media channel. Thanks again for listening.